0: All right. Before I get to my next guest, John Hughes, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. You can find them online at positivevibesgolf.com and follow them on Twitter at pvibesgolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts, and they're a great on-course training aid as well because they help you stay positive by putting positive, happy images in your mind. Every time you walk back to your golf bag and you look at your head covers, you're going to smile. See why I say that by going online to PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at p All right, now back with me here on Next on the Tee is PGA Master Professional John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He has been teaching the game now for almost 30 years. He's worked with everyone from beginners all the way up to tour pros. He won the Northern Florida PGA Sections Teacher of the Year Award in 2009. And in 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. He's been the president of the Northern Florida PGA section for the last two and a half years. He's also coached the Celebration High School Ladies Golf Team down in Orlando. You can find John at Falcons Fire Golf Club, which is a Reese Jones design course. And I've got Reese coming up here in the next segment of the show. And on top of everything else about John, he is highly recommended by our good friend Charlie Fisher at Golf Pride. And if Charlie tells you you gotta talk to this guy, you gotta talk to this guy. And I'm very excited that John is back with me again tonight here on Next On the T. Hey John, how you doing, my friend? Good,
1: Chris. Very well. I appreciate Tom's kudos. I was listening in. I, I gotta tell you, the first time I was on, I didn't know what to expect, and I came across somewhat formal. And I'm just happy you invited me back because this is not a formal show at all.
2: <laughs> no, it is not. Not at the least. So,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: relax yourself. Have a good time. That's what we're trying to be all about. So I appreciate the fact that you did come back. So Johnny, down there in Orlando. How are things, are, are things starting to get back to normal down there? What's it like?
1: Uh, Somewhat back to normal. I, I think when you're talking about Florida, Governor DeSantis is, is in my opinion, done a really good job understanding that tourism is our bread and butter. It's what keeps the state running. And he was put in some very precarious positions. Fortunately, he he deemed golf essential, so it allowed the facilities to stay open with some really restrictive measures. And it cost central Florida, where I am, the, the latter half of our season, uh, both instructionally play food and beverage pro shop you name it but i i think we're going to come out better for it starting to get back to normal we're in phase two officially so restaurants are at 50 percent uh we're from a tournament standpoint of view you can have a few more people out but shotguns are still prohibitive uh there's some other things uh, i think all in all we we escaped some of the the worst of COVID-19, but at the same time, we were very affected by it. I think it's a wake-up call for everybody to just start understanding, hey, uh, live with some common sense, and these things shouldn't affect us as badly.
2: John, like I said, you're down there in Falcon's Fire, which is a, a Reese Jones design course, and Reese is going to be joining me in the next segment. Uh wanted to get your thoughts on the course and uh, the place that you've got your school.
1: Well, I'm real lucky to be at Falcon Fire. I've been there six years now, and it, it can be a course that can play very simple for the beginner. It can be a really good challenge for the better player. Uh, I've actually had a chance to sit down with Mr. Jones at the past two PGA Championships. Last year at Bethpage, I spent close to a couple hours with him while he was waiting to get on uh, satellite radio and talked about a lot of things, not only Falcon Fire, but just golf course architecture in general. It was it was a privilege to sit with him. Actually played one of his redesigns today, Country Club of Winterhaven and had a good round out there. It, it's a very interesting golf course, Falcon's Fire, in that there's not a lot of elevation change, but what little bit of elevation change out there, Mr. Jones took Really good advantage of uh, number eight or one of our signature holes is a great example. When you're on the tee box, you just don't realize you're about 15 feet lower uh than than the green, and that's unusual for for Florida. And taking that extra club and/or factoring in the wind, if you're downwind or into the wind, a lot of people score high on that hole simply because they can't see the elevation change. It's subtle. But it's there and he's done a wonderful job taking a piece of property and and really making it a challenge for even the better
2: player. Well, I'm sure Reese Jones will enjoy hearing hearing the uh, the praise on, on the course. I'm sure it's fantastic. So I look forward to hopefully sometime getting an opportunity to come down there and play Falcon's Fire. John, you're you um, welcome any you teach a a variety of of players at all different levels and i was curious to get your thought is it is it easier or more challenging to teach somebody who is at or near the pro level than it is somebody that might be you know a 10 or 12 15 handicap like me that comes out there and needs a and needs a little bit of work is it is it harder to teach the pro because a little tweak here and there maybe all they need but that might be something that's hard to uh to incorporate after you've been ingrained in your swing for so long?
1: Uh, that's a great question. And the the typical answer I give to that is everybody has their own special needs, regardless of skill level. Is it any harder or easier for me based on their skill level? I don't really look at it as such because I'm, I'm trying to have everybody play to their potential. A, a tour player, yeah, they're going to make small tweaks. I was talking to someone today about how small a, a ball position change could be. Maybe a quarter of an inch or less sometimes can really make the difference in a four-player's ball strike, whereas the on the same level, say a 10 to 15 handicap, a half-inch can make that same difference. It, it's really about getting each person to play to their potential. Uh, the real challenge, quite honestly, and this is where it gets a little bit more is having someone understand the potential the tour player does, and they're very demanding upon themselves and the team that they surround themselves with. Whereas the 10 to 15 handicapper, they can't see themselves. They they don't even in a video they really don't see themselves. So it's it's a challenge to get them to understand where they can be and, and for them to believe themselves to get them there. Uh, whereas the tour player, they know they're there. Uh, It may be more tedious work with them, but it's not necessarily more tedious than a 10 to 15 handicap or have them understand what they're capable of doing.
2: John, I want to get some playing lessons from you. And you've got a wonderful YouTube channel full of some really great videos. And I can't recommend those enough. Folks go out there and, and subscribe to John's YouTube channel. Um before we get into some of those videos, I want to talk about one one situation in particular that um is not only a difficult shot, but I, I think it plays on us on and the mental side as well, and that's after we've hit a really good drive and we get out to our ball and we see it sitting in an unfilled divot. Now we're mad because we hit a great drive and we have this shot we have to play. So we gotta get our mind right first and then how the heck to pull off that shot. So what what's your recommendation? How do we, how do we deal with all of that?
1: Well, the first thing you got to do is curse the person who didn't fill the difference. That That's the first <laughs> thing you got to do. It sounds sort of trivial Indeed. and I'm going to laugh too, but that starts the mindset that, that literally starts the reset of the mind. It's like, Hey, I didn't do anything wrong. Why, what, why do I deserve it? And, for the, the 10 to 15 or the 20 handicapper, it's a difficult shot. But I'm here to tell you it's just as difficult for the tour player because they're trying to be much more exacting for for the higher handicapper. Hey, let's just get it out and somewhere near where we want to be so we're not losing any more strokes. Based on the depth of the divot, it's how depth of the divot. Wow, tongue tied here, uh, is what you're going to be really assessing. If it's super deep, it's going to be very difficult to be as precise as you want, and it's going to require ball position middle. It doesn't necessarily need to be for any back of middle. The real key here is to make sure you're striking the ball. Most people are going to want to scoop this thing out, uh, very similar to how you may want to scoop out a bunker shot. The real key here is make a bigger divot in front of the golf ball, and that's what people forget: is you're trying to strike the golf ball first. Here, you're, you're not trying to pick it up out of a hole. And if you set up with the ball a little bit more middle of stance and make your normal swing, maybe take an extra club, but try to make that divot in front of the golf ball. You're going to make the divot you're in that much longer, but you're going to guarantee you strike the ball. Taking the extra club, that's just margin of error. Let's make sure we get it to the to the target we we want it to. And then last but not least, fill the, fill the divot that you make. And hopefully you're <laughs> using right. two scoops of sand versus one.
2: John, one of the areas that I struggle with and with my swing is I tend to sway my left hip sort of, you know, out instead of around. And And you have a wonderful drill that you call the beer barrel drill that uh, that could help me with that and certainly could help our listeners that, that struggle with the same thing. Talk about what that drill is.
1: That's real simple. Either you're too drunk to stay in the barrel or you're just too rigid and it won't fall over. It's one of the two, but it's real simple. If you can imagine yourself in a beer barrel and all you're trying to do is rotate within it without tilting it over, what that's going to do is is sure up your ankles. Your, your ankle stability is real key. It, it provides some stability to your knees. Most people are going to tilt this beer barrel over either with their forward knee, the right hand or the left knee, the left hand or the right knee, or they're going to take that front hip, hip and bump it too far. There is a bump mechanism in your swing, but you don't need it to bump totally outside of where you're setting up. If you bump it too hard, the barrel falls over. So you can take alignment sticks, put them in the ground either angled from behind you forward or, or right next to you if they're a little bit shorter in length. And just try to make the turn. The way I try to get people to do it first is without a golf club. Can you just rotate within that beer barrel as is and maintain your balance? That's the way the body learns. And then start adding things to it incrementally. Add the golf club, add a bigger swing. Have the golf ball be the last thing you add because what you're really trying to do is create that body movement that creates the rotation and in turn releases the golf club for you. When you can eliminate the sway, you're going to eliminate a lot of inconsistencies in your ball striking.
2: John, a couple more before I let you go, and let's talk a little bit about short game. When we're faced sure. with that sort of in-between sandwich shot, let's say we're somewhere between 30 and 70 yards from the green, and now we've got to have that distance control with a sand wedge that it's a shorter swing, it's a, a little more feel, a little more touch. How can we figure out how to hit that shot successfully?
1: Well, that's no person's are You shouldn't be there anyway. I think the first thing most people forget about is you never practice those shots. So why are you putting yourself into those positions to begin with? If it's a layup on a par five and or you're going for a par five and two and you leave yourself that shot, that's a poor decision to begin with with that second shot. Make sure you're avoiding it. When you're in it, most of the time it's probably beside the green on a four or three, and it, it it's going to require some finesse. and Having an understanding of what just one swing can be. And what I mean by that, whether it's a half swing, a two thirds swing, uh I learned early on from one of my mentors, Jimmy Hamilton in Raleigh, North Carolina, can you put it in a into a percentage? Can you go thirty percent or sixty percent, but really stick with that one swing and let's find out how far a particular wedge goes. So let's say your 56-degree sand wedge with a 60% swing will travel in the air, carry distance. Let's say it goes 55 yards. Well, now you have that 55-yard shot. What most people try to do there that are not going out to practice, they're not highly skilled, is they want to take that same wedge and change their swing. Why would you want to do that? I, I equate that to having a ratchet and a socket. The ratchet works the same. You just change the socket based on the size of the bolt head or the nut you're trying to tighten or loosen. Take another golf club. You should have that 60 in your bag. What does it do when you swing at 60%? It should be the shorter shot. And likewise, if you're looking for something longer than 55, you're in that 65-70. you have another wedge just beyond your sand wedge with that, with that same 60% swing, it'll go the little bit extra distance. I think the more you simplify this and not necessarily try to change things that you're not practicing to change makes golf simpler for you. It's it's when you're trying to manipulate all these different variables that you're not routinely practicing. That's where most amateurs get in trouble. Find the one simple swing you can make, label it the way you want to label it, Find out how far these wedges go carry distance. That's the key, carry distance. It get, those shots become easier. But I would also recommend you stay out of those situations. That, that's when it really becomes easier.
2: John, one more. And you recently added a putting drill to your YouTube channel titled Two Seconds to Consistent Putting. That's certainly something that I'm trying to develop. Talk about uh, what that tip is.
1: That is, that's real simple, Chris. It, when people talk about two seconds, you know, there's a three second violation in basketball. There's, there's all sorts of other stuff. What it basically means in basketball is you're standing in that lane too long. What I see in it with golfers, especially, uh, people that don't practice a lot is they get very anxious. And as they're striking the ball, they're looking for the ball way ahead of the actual strike, and this opens up your front shoulder. When you open up that front shoulder, who knows what's going to happen? Are you going to close a club? You're going to leave it open. You're going to shove it. You're going to pull it. To be more consistent, can you imagine a coin, a ball marker, anything that's right there underneath the ball? And once you stroke it, can you see that? Can you still remember? Can your eyes remain there and see that? This keeps the front shoulder in the putting stroke that much longer. It helps square the club a little bit, actually creates a little bit better roll. What it really does, it keeps you solid over the putt longer. Just that two seconds longer makes a difference because what you don't realize, if you're anxious and you're moving as you're putting, guess where that moving's begun? it's begun long before the putter's ever struck the ball. And that's the real key. It's it's not about what's happening after the putt, it's what's happening before the ball is struck with the putter. Keeping those keeping those eyes focused on the mark underneath a coin, uh, anything that's underneath that ball and being able to see that mark, counting the two, one, two, and now you can look up. You can jump for I I tell people you can do a jig if you want. But let's just keep your eyes focused on that one spot of the ball. Two seconds after impact, you're gonna be very surprised how much consistent your lines are, your distance control is. It it works. It's it's all about being patient and not being so anxious.
2: John, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your great website, your YouTube channel, and how they can follow you on social media.
1: Sure, I'm johnhughesgolf.com is the website and the youtube channel is john hughes golf social media i got really lucky uh the director who was sort of in seclusion until he passed away never took john hughes golf at facebook or twitter or linkedin or instagram that's where people can find me there and again chris thanks for invite me back a second time, hopefully not as stiff as the first time. I'm looking forward to hearing more <laughs> from Mr. Jones. He's a he is uh he's a legend. He, he's an American treasure. If you ask me with all the different things he's been able to provide us as golfers. Throughout the years will be a really good
2: conversation. Well well I couldn't agree with that statement more. John, I hope this is two of many times you're a part of the show. I can't thank you enough for being generous with your time and coming back again. I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Sounds great, Chris. Enjoy your evening.
2: Stay safe, my friend. I'll catch up with you again soon, John. Take care. That's the great John Hughes. And, uh, folks, um, he's as good and as decorated an instructor as you're going to find. So I I encourage you to follow him. I can't tell you how good his YouTube channel is with all the great tips that he's got out there. He is a lot of fun and a great man, and I look forward to having him back on the show again soon.